Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday Evening Podcast. Today we conclude our series about the power of the blood. With today's sermon entitled, No Blood, No Power, here's Pastor Rex Johnson. been talking about blood covenant. So the first week of this series, we talked about how blood covenants are formed. There's nine steps and we went through them. But the three that I love, the three that I love was that we take off our garment and give it to him. And he takes off his garment, and gives it to us. We are clothed in his righteousness tonight. Say mine's filthy rags. Say it. Mine's filthy rags. But his is righteous. And the thing that I love is that we get to declare we are in covenant. We are in covenant. I had a big brother that was one tough cookie. I was a lover, not a fighter. And he was a fighter. He needed to love a little more. But I got picked on one day and somebody said, you know who that is? He said, it don't matter who it is. I, he's, a, he's just a freshman, a sophomore. He said, no, no, it matters who he is. That is Tiger Johnson's little brother. He said, is he right? You, Eddie's brother? I said, oh yeah, I'm his brother. I grinned and I said, you know him, don't you? <laughs> it's amazing what power you have when you're in covenant with Jesus Christ. Oh Yeah. I'm his little brother. Yeah, I'm his little brother. And the third thing we have is that, that I enjoyed is that we plant a tree and we anoint it with blood. And Calvary's our tree. And the blood of Jesus was shed on that tree. So then the next week we talked about <clears throat> the blood of the lamb. We talked about the power of the lamb. And uh, I really enjoyed teaching that. Last week we talked about wise blood. We talked about blood that never forgets. Dr. Paul Brand said once blood conquers a disease in the body. It, it footnotes it and goes back to the nearest lymph node and waits and says if that disease tries to come back we'll raise a flag and say no not in this body. Not in this body. And Jesus Christ became our wise blood. Because he healed, say, every disease. Say, he healed every disease. He healed three forms of death. Three forms of death. One that had just, the body was still warm. One on the way to the grave. And one had been dead four days. He knows how to handle your death problems. Amen? And that blood never forgets what it did for people. And if it ever did it, it can do it again. And tonight... I'm just going to preach to individuals. I'm going to talk to you, and I want you to, you're going to help me, you're going to help me tonight. I'm going to be very brief, because we're going to pray, and we're going to take communion in just a little while. Did you get your communion cup tonight? Isn't it neat to have communion on the first Wednesday? Isn't that pretty neat? Somebody said, why are you here? Well, they're here for communion, but they're really here for the communioner, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the preacher tonight. No blood, <clears throat> no gospel. What I'm talking about tonight. No blood, no gospel. Blood, gospel. No blood, no gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's quoted all around the world. But I think I like Galatians 2 and 20 just a little bit more. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Watch this now. Who loved me and gave himself for me. You've got to personalize the love of God. It's not just for this whole company of people tonight. It's for me. Put your hand on your chest and say, Jesus loves me. Say it louder. Jesus loves me. He loves me. Not just my neighbor, not my mom and dad, not the preacher, not the singers. Jesus loves me. When you get that, you'll understand what I'm preaching and teaching tonight. I preach tonight with individuals in mind because the blood is personal. Without blood, there cannot be life in the physical body. That is just as true in the Bible. Blood flows through the Bible just as it does through our veins. Christ's blood keeps Christianity alive. Someone has said, cut the Bible anywhere and it will bleed because the blood flows through the word. The blood is spoken of 427 times in our Bible, so it's not a minor theme. Jesus said in Matthew 26, for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Paul said in Hebrews, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Peter added, We're not redeemed with silver and gold and precious stones, but with the precious blood of Christ. John said the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Everybody say, that's for me. That's for me. That may be for you also, but that's for me. If you're going to get healed tonight, if you're going to be delivered tonight, if you're going to be set free tonight, you've got to bring it to yourself. The early church understood the blood. 22 sermons recorded by the four preachers in the book of Acts all give the same message. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The blood pays as well as covers. Amen. His gaze, as one man said, passes through rose-colored glasses every time he looks on my heart. Can you get a portrait of the blood tonight? See, it's hard to see blood because it's internal. To make it external, it brings hurt because you have to be cut. You have to be injured. And we can see this today. But even more important is that God sees the blood applied to our lives. And when he does, he passes over us. Now, I'm going to speak on about six things here tonight. And I want you to put it to your heart. Number one, when I analyzed it, the blood is perfect. Say it's perfect. Say that's for me. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ established his righteousness. Judas cried out, I have betrayed innocent blood. Paul explained, for he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
Pilate said, I find no fault at all in him. Jesus himself said, which of you convinceth me of sin? Who's trying to make me be a sinner among you? He was spoken of as holy and harmless in Hebrews and undefiled and separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. His blood is perfect. Again, who did sin? Who did no sin? Neither was guile found in his mouth. John added, in him is no sin. If Jesus Christ would have had a natural father, he would have imparted the sin nature of Adam. Therefore, there would have been no redemptive blood. The virgin birth was absolutely essential to the salvation of our souls. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was born of a virgin and did not have original sin. Matthew quotes Isaiah the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Say God God with me. me. Jeremiah the prophet had spoken before on this. He said the Lord hath created a new thing on the earth. A woman shall compass a man. It certainly was a new thing for a woman without a man to give birth to a child. Everything about Christ was perfect perfect, including his blood. Can I say it again? His blood is perfect. When it comes on you tonight, when you've been healed tonight, say it's not imperfect. There's no imperfection here. His blood is perfect for me. Amen. And when the blood is applied, it is pure. Everybody say it's pure. One of the reasons that we use grape juice in our communion service instead of wine, I think I need to explain it is because wine has to go through a process of fermentation. And the process of fermentation is actually bacteria working in the wine. It is a rotting process. Pardon me, it's rotting. This could never give a proper picture of the sinless blood of Jesus Christ. For all that is holy, Satan has a counterfeit. And communion many times is no exception. Pure fruit of the vine is a true symbol of the pure blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, just as bread without leaven is part of the body of Jesus Christ. I pastored them. Oh, I feel that right now. Amen. I preached a little doctrine to you and you received it. Say that's for me. I pastored a man who was struggling with cancer in a number of occasions and he went through a treatment called chelation. Maybe you've heard of it. It's, it's an older thing, but it's not as much as it used to be. Chelation is similar to dialysis. And that the blood is removed from the body and sent through a machine that cleanses the impurities from it and then pumps it back into the body. And this treatment prolonged this man's life for a good long time. He was a precious man. I want him to live forever. And after his blood had been purged of germs and disease and bad cells, it was then able to work against the enemy's cells that were at war in his system. The writer of Hebrews states, For the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer Sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. Purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Pure blood, folks, brings pure cleansing. He is the chelation of our life. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, the Bible says in 1 John, cleanses us from all sin. 
What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is that flow that washes white as snow. Wow, no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And because it's pure, it is purifying. Everybody say it's perfect. Everybody say it's pure. And it's also perpetual. Say it never runs out. Animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were continuous year after year. The blood of bulls and of goats provided forgiveness and pardon temporarily only because it pointed to the sacrifice of one that was to come and his blood being shed for the covering of our sin. The writer of Hebrews speaks of Christ as one, listen here, who needeth, who needed not daily as though high priest to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people. For he did this just once when he offered up himself. Hebrews, Paul said, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained, everybody say eternal. Eternal. God have mercy. Redemption for us. I'm putting the Bible on you tonight because I want you to know something. We're not just going to roll your sickness ahead tonight. We're not going to just roll your sins ahead tonight. He purchased eternal redemption for us. He did it one time. Everybody say, sins of 1970, bye-bye. Sins of yesterday, bye-bye. Sins of the present, bye-bye. Sins of the future, I've got power to walk right through you. Because he purchased eternal, eternal, eternal redemption for us, Hebrews 9 and 12. Clap your hands and say, that's for me. Wow. The death of Christ set in motion a continuous cleansing for those who trust him. Thank God we are washed once and for all forever. The Bible speaks of the blood of the everlasting covenant, Hebrews 13 and 20. Everybody say everlasting covenant. Say devil, the blood of Jesus is not going away. (laughs) Hallelujah. How you like that? How you like that, devil? Come on, clap your hands. How you like that? You like that all right? I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And it's not going away. It's not going away. Everybody say it's perfect. Everybody say it's pure. Everybody say it's perpetual. For me. It's also powerful. Say powerful. Songwriter wrote, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. John said, thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Folks, it takes amazing power to do that, to redeem us in our sinful nature to God. He did that by the blood. Then Revelation said they overcame the wicked one, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. It takes a lot of power to do that also. But Jesus did not use his force. He did not use his might. He said, I have redeemed you from sin by my blood. And I've given you overcoming power over the devil by my blood. 
we'd think that Jesus would say, devil, leave him alone. No, he just said, here, here, here. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all, lose all their crimson stain. Hallelujah. Do you hear what I'm telling you? He didn't shout at hell. He just said, I'm going to bring them out of the devil's den by the blood of the lamb. And devil, when you try to come against them, oh, hallelujah, I'm going to bring them through by the blood of the lamb again. Folks, that's good stuff. That ain't me. That's the book. Hallelujah. I love what false religion always says about power of blood. Mary Baker Eddy, Christian science. She said the material blood of Jesus is no more efficacious to cleanse from sin when it was shed upon a cursed tree than when it was flowing through his veins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And R.G. Thyme said the red liquid that ran through the veins and the arteries of Jesus' mortal body is not related to our salvation. I'm so sorry that people have a right to be wrong. What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? What gives me victory over the enemy? Say that's for me. I can have victory. I will have victory. Hebrews 9, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Wow. Everybody say it's perfect. It's pure. It's perpetual. It's powerful. I put a lot of peas together, didn't I? Everybody say it's permanent. I never have done what I feel. I feel like this dancing all over this platform tonight. Because the blood was shed for me. Galatians 2 and 20. The blood's permanent. Here's a joke. A woman's in a photography studio. She told the photographer, do me justice. The photographer replied, ma'am, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> Acquit is a heavy word. It means to pay off, to free, to clear, to absolve. When the devil said, how are you going to buy these kids out of the pit? How are you going to buy them? How are you going to get them out of here? He said, I got one thing to pay you, the blood. I'm going to redeem them by my blood. It has far-reaching meaning extended from the past all the way to the future. I'm going to reach back to an old story that I told years ago. O.J. Simpson was acquitted of murder. And it never came back on him. Now or forever in court. Not even new evidence can be presented because he was acquitted. You say, yeah, but I don't believe justice was done. Well, neither did I. But you and me are guilty and we know it. And we don't need justice. We need mercy also. Amen. And you need it to be permanent. Sins forgiven. And sins forgotten. His mercies are new every morning. Not only are our past sins covered, but also our present and future sins are put under the blood when you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Jesus' blood cleanses us from our past sins. It cleanses us from right now. And when we walk through the valley of despair in our future, his blood's going to still be with us not going to go away. 
Either you believe that or you don't believe that. I believe that. Isaiah said, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me for I have redeemed thee, Isaiah 44 and 22. David spoke to this when he stated, as far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions for us. He didn't say north and south because they have poles. East and west, this goes forever and ever. He's dropped our sins in the sea of forgetfulness and put a no fishing sign on that sea. Don't dig back up what I have put under the sea of forgetfulness. He promised not to remember them again. I'll remember them no more against you forever. Jesus' blood covers our sins, both sins of omission and sins of commission. Whether it be things we ought to do and are not doing or whether it's things that we are doing that we ought not to do. These are covered fully by his blood atonement. Jesus' blood continues to atone for future sins. But we can know that despite our very best effort, we're still sinners and will yet sin. But we don't have to be born again, again. Do we need to confess it to God and make it right? Of course. You need to repent. Confess your sins to the Lord. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Because his blood still conquers every sin in the world. Amen. Somebody asked me the other night. Somebody asked me. It's a beautiful question. I want to answer it to publicly to the congregation. Pastor, when you lay down at night, how do you pray? What's your closing prayer? I say, God, if I have committed something today overtly, if I have done something today, wash me and cleanse me. God, if I have said something unkind to families or people today, forgive me for things I have said. But this is the big one. I said, God, if I have thought things wash my mind and cleanse my mind because I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed with sin in my heart and my life. Folks, it's just that simple. If you confess your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is able and just to forgive you. And when you wake up the next morning and you feel his mercies brand new in your life, there is nothing like that feeling. Everybody say it's perfect. Everybody say it's pure. Everybody says it's perpetual. Everybody says it's powerful. Everybody says it's permanent. And everybody says it's precious. Wow. We love to sing, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want to tell you a little story, then I'm going to show you something on the screen in just a little while. Let me tell you a little story. I read a story of a very wealthy old man who had an elaborate collection of Van Gogh and Monet paintings. He was the only son. His only son shared his father's interest in the rare paintings, and they traveled around the world buying these paintings wherever they could find them. And the son enlisted in the army and was placed in the medical corps. And in a severe battle while carrying wounded soldiers to safety, the son was seriously wounded himself, and he died. And the mother was already dead, and the news of the tragedy, Brother Randy, if you'll help me, devastated the old father. He grieved in loneliness for months. And one day there was a knock that came on his door. And when he responded, he found a young man with a package. And the young man explained that he was one of the several soldiers that the son had carried to safety in that particular battle. And knowing the old man's interest in painting because he knew the son, he had painted a picture of the son and presented it to the father, the old man. The painting was not rare but was very precious to the old man because it was a great resemblance of his son. And the man moved a very valuable painting from the mantel in the hall. 
and placed the picture of his son in its place, painted by a soldier that loved the boy. Hour after hour, he sat in a rocker, and he gazed up at the image of his beloved son. And when death came, the art collection was put up for sale by an auction. And hundreds of collectors came to bid. And the auctioneer announced that the will stated that the picture of the son was to be auctioned first. The moan of disappointment could be heard from the crowd. Let's get on with the real paintings, one was heard to say. Let's get past this boy picture, another said. The son's picture was held up and the auctioneer cried, who will give $100? Nobody opened their mouth. 50? Nobody. 20? Nobody. One old man raised his hand and said, will you take 10? And the auctioneer said, sold. Good, cried the crowd. Now we can get on with the auction. Ladies and gentlemen, the auctioneer said, that concludes the auction. The crowd was puzzled and upset. Then the statement was given. The will declared that the picture of the son was to be sold and the person who took it, took the son, would get the rest of the whole property. Now listen, I know that's an old story. I know it's an old story, but I've never told it in this church. But you've heard it because some people were ahead of me and they love to do that. I'm getting my medicine back because I used to do that to my teachers in school. (laughs) Mama said, shut up, son. Let the teacher say it. You don't have to be ahead of the teacher. I'd quote them before they quoted. Thank you that knew that story. When a person takes the Son of God, everything God has is included. Now, it's been preached here, but I want to share it again in the closing in the closing of this message tonight, I want to I I preach it one more time. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how, how devout God is with our lives. He's not a God that just wants to dwell around us. He wants to dwell in us. He's not a God that desires us to be just walking with him. He wants to be walking inside of us. And sometimes we need to understand what's going on inside that you can't see outside unless somebody pulls a picture up. There's a word called laminin. And many of you have heard of that word. Laminin is a celled adhesion protein molecule. And all it does is it holds the tiny cells together in the body. It's what keeps this skin on my body. It's what keeps my blood together. It's what keeps everything in there from going haywire. Your body is held together. Your your cells are not just running rampant. It's held together by this thing called laminin. And oh, by the way, laminin is also referred to as the rebar of the human body. It's the strength. I would not have strength without laminin in my body. So tonight, just before I close and we start praying, I want to put a picture of it up. Thank you. Put a, there, that's what laminin looks like in the body. Yes, it's the shape of a cross. The cross is in you whether you like it or not. That's the shape of laminin. Show a picture of one in the blood. Show the other picture. Here it is. 
There, there it is in actual blood. Now, yes, it's broken a little bit, but it's that way all through the body. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying some of you have walked a long time without realizing that God is inside of you. The cross of Jesus Christ is holding you together. You didn't even realize what was putting your life together. But the cross is what's holding you together. And Jesus wants you to understand. You need to receive what he did on a hill and put it in your heart. And realize he's been living there a long time. And he wants to come alive in your spirit tonight. Hallelujah. David said we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. It's an amazing thing to understand how much God made when he created me. I looked at our little Ellery the other day. Brandon and Kara had a beautiful baby boy on Monday. Little Gentry Royce. I wish it had been Gentry Rex, but it wasn't. <laughs> Eight pounds and two ounces. I walked in and I held that little boy and I hugged him and I loved him and I prayed for him. And I saw his little, his little angel touch right here. You know what that is right there, don't you? That little thing right here, that little indention. That's where an angel, when that baby's born, said just right, pushes there. <laughs> God loves us, folks. And I held little Ellery. And I got to tell you, I thought I had pretty grandbabies up till now. But the sixth is the beauty queen of the ages. The sixth is awesome. Little Ellery's unbelievable. She's going to walk by me on one side and Caroline on the other side, and I'm going to have a big bat in my hand in the middle. <laughs> but already in their little veins, in their little body, the cross has already rushed inside and it's holding them together. It's causing their life to be shaped. Hey, come on, folks. We can be healed tonight. We can be set free tonight. We can be washed clean here tonight. Amen. I want you to take your, I want you to take your cup and stand with me right now. Bring mine, Reed. Bring my cup. I want you to take your cup right now and stand with me all over the building. We're going to take communion. I feel the holy presence of Jesus in this house. You feel that tonight? Amen. Amen. Clap your hands all over the house. Clap your hands all over the house. Praise God. I know it's hard with a cup in your hand, but try, try. Now listen, I'm going to read something very unique here tonight. We're fixed to take communion together. And then we're going to have wonderful prayer for the sick and for the hurting and and for the people that need jobs and the people that need the Holy Ghost and people that need to be born again, we're going to have prayer. But here, I want to read something to you. Here's what I want to read. Matthew chapter 26. When even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Everybody say, That's not me, Lord. And they were exceeding sorrowful. And begin every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe. 
to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man had he not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take ye, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and said, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. What I want to tell you tonight is we're going to take one more time the cup of redemption. It's the cup of redemption. We can't drink the cup of eternity and eternality yet because we're not there. But we're going to be redeemed. We're going to take the cup of redemption. Are you ready to feel the redemption of the Lord in your life again? So I want you to say, Lord, Lord. you're my Lord. Lord. You know... You know why Judas was the one that betrayed the Lord? Because Jesus never became Lord in his life. If you read the, if you saw what I read, he said, is it I, Master? And the rest of them said, is it I, Lord? See, Jesus don't want to be your Master. He wants to be your Lord. He don't want to just be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. He don't want to just be the one that hung on a cross for you. He wants to be Lord of your life. Hold up your cup in both hands and say, you're my Lord. You're the Lord of my life. Come on, tell him, you're the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my life. Come on, say it, you're the Lord of my life. Say it again, you're the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my life. In you I trust. In you I believe. In you I have confidence. In you I know I can be healed. In you I know I have been delivered. In you I know I have been set free. In you I know that I have been redeemed. I have been born again. I love you, Lord. You're not my master, you're my Lord. Hallelujah. I identify with your Lordship. I want you to open the top portion and take the bread out. And he said... They can eat this. This is my body. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.